guys do is that they try to take the interaction from a headspace of what would I do if a girl showed me interest, which I think is where a lot of guys fuck it up. I think that from our perspective, if a girl showed us interest, we'd take her immediately to bed. We'd be all over her. We'd start professing our love for her. That would be what most guys would do. Because in a, in a scenario where an attractive girl, the most gorgeous girl, a Megan Fox lookalike was hitting on you, guess what would happen? That happened to you the other day. Yeah, it did actually Your happen. girl. Liar. Again, these guys talking about like uh, Megan Fox lookalike hitting on them. Like it's, like it's a realistic thing that happens normally to guys. Um, and it definitely didn't happen to this guy. He's simply not attractive enough. Uh, girls don't hit on guys like this. Girls hit on guys like, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth, stuff like that. Guys that are genetically gifted. This man is not genetically gifted. So girls won't hit on him. He will have to approach. And the guy on the left, the A.G. Hayden, who's a scammer. Um, no, girls definitely won't hit on him. He's not attractive enough. Um, it's, it's just the way of the world. You Like, if you are not attractive, girls will not hit on you. Because you have not, like, girls want the top 10% of men. So, unless Hayden himself is like six foot five and looks like that, then maybe he has a chance. He's not six foot five, though. So, he's a liar. Well, looked a yeah. lot like Megan Fox. She was and gorgeous, she was too. She was hot. I thought she was hotter than uh, Megan Fox. Where's again, you can see his predatory eyes, right? And again, the, the conversation these guys are having, it's amazing to me that you can have a conversation th- that's, that's this lacking in self-awareness, right? Like, like the people listening, you're not giving them enough credit. Like, you think that they're stupid, right? That's the only way that you could have such a conversation, right? That's the only way you could talk like this and think that people don't think that you're a liar. Like, that didn't happen. You're a liar. I don't know if I go that far, but no, she's she really was hot. hot. She's really hot. Uh, anyway, so... Again, just think about, like, look at their body language reaction when they talk about this. They say, like, look, look, look. He said, she was really hot and he's, like, rubbing on his neck and all that kind of stuff. Like, you don't have a discomfort response protecting your neck if you're telling the truth. You have a discomfort response protecting your neck if you're lying, which you are. This guy, and look at this guy. Like, look at the predatory eyes of this guy with the flower shirt. Like, the, there ain't no way this situation actually happened. Me, I, I think that you need to look at it from a perspective of understanding that women are attracted and think differently than men do and ha- are coming from a completely different experience than, than we. And... What, what is that big difference to you? What would be the big difference in, in an interaction? Between how yeah. men interact and women yeah, interact? Um, well, women generally have a buyer mentality and men generally have a seller mentality. Yeah. Uh, this is actually true uh, unless you understand your own value, right? Uh, like in general, women have a mental point of origin that's themselves and men have a mental point of origin that's other people. That's, that is true. So what that means is if you walk up to the average, you know, talk to the average man on the street, he's going to think that he has to impress the girl. He has to do stuff for the girl. He has to, uh, you know, convince her to like him. He has to, you know, he has to sacrifice for her and she doesn't have to do anything. 
uh, he he has to do everything and expect nothing in return. That's if you if you are not your own mental point of origin. So mental point of origin means this. Every decision at every moment that I make is for my own benefit. And later on, if I then want to benefit other people, it's after I've prioritized myself. That's the idea. And if you don't have this attitude, you should adopt it. Um, this sort of attitude of, I wake up and I think, what is the best move for me? What is the best play for me? How can I best help myself? Because again, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on others, right? Um, so there you go. So most women, because especially in a club situation, a bunch of guys are coming up to them, hitting on them. So they have this assumption of value. Like I, uh, I mean, it's funny that these guys in the modern age are talking about the club. Like, the, no mention of Instagram, no mention of Snapchat, no mention of dating apps. That's the real reason why they all have this abundance mentality. It's because you can go on one of these websites, um, one of these apps on your phone, and have literally a hundred guys message you per day. And that's, that's, uh, that's a little. That's, usually it's more. Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios, here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, like in the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Uh, if you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios Blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Really do appreciate your support, guys. Again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios Blog. Let's continue. So this Hayden guy, A.G. Hayden, is a scammer, he's a liar, and is trying to explain what... Uh, you know, what you have to do to be successful without mentioning, like, why do women have a buyer mentality? Because th th we're in 2022. This is, like, this is dating apps world. This is online dating world. This is Instagram world. Like, like these guys are so lacking self-awareness. They're, like, doing the pickup from, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? I am sexually valuable. Men want me. They want to have sex with me. And I'm assuming he's hitting on me. I assume yeah. he wants me. And so they get to test the guy. They get to mess around with the uh, guy. And that's not why women test men. They test men because women are the selectors of the human race. Like, women have always been the selectors. Like, uh,. Yeah, women wait for the guys at the finish line and have bedroom fun with the winners. It's not because there's a lot of guys approaching them at the club that they think that they're more valuable than men. Eggs are expensive and sperm is cheap. That's why. These guys are terrible, man. Like, <laughs> just give the worst possible advice. And see if he's worthy. That's their frame, is seeing if he's worthy. What mm -hmm. most guys do is fall into that frame. Yeah. And they assume they're not worthy. And that most girls will reject them. It's hard for them to get laid. So when they talk to a girl, they're trying to sell themselves, prove I'm good enough for the girl. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know why I was joker laugh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's the, the vibe a little bit. But they try to prove themselves to the girl as being worthy. And then yeah. and then they're taking a position of lower value. Well, girls, they, they want value. So to a guy. The big thing for most guys is the fact, is the girl attractive? You'll even backwards rationalize all of her amazing traits. You'll say that she's this amazing, gorgeous, cool girl. That's like, you'll say that she has the greatest fucking personality on planet earth, which most, if you go out for any period of time, you start realizing this is, a, this is an absolute facade. And when you start treating the girl like this and you start treating her and you putting her on this pedestal, the girl cares a lot about your personality. And by personality, I mean, 
personality status. I mean, does she respect you as a guy? Oh my God. Like, again, these guys are just not giving good advice at all, right? Like, she cares about your personality. No, she cares if you're a winner. And also, these guys have made no mention of appearance. Again, it's like the pickup from 20 years ago. Looks don't matter, guys. Just improve your game. No. <laughs> like, looks matter. They Like, this guy on the left, ain't no way he's sleeping around with multiple girls. He's not attractive enough. Um, he gets rejected a lot, a lot, a lot, guys. Uh, in fact, he probably gets rejected more than some of you. He's just lying to you guys to try to convince you that he's a, you know, a master seducer or whatever. Like, <laughs> with his predatory eyes to try to get you into his uh, click funnel, right? His marketing funnel. These guys do not believe b- what they're setting. Like, for sure. Like... <laughs> If she doesn't respect you, she's not going to fuck you. If she doesn't respect you, she's not going to want to date you. And when you come across like, true oh, God, you like me. You're so overly, you're, you're so over the moon and ecstatic for her to like you. What happens now? Your value drops, drops, drops. Cause a guy that believed that he was higher value than she was, which is what a girl wants to date. She wants to date a guy higher value than her. She's going to want to reject you immediately. So you want to be on her heels. You want to have your own standards for what you want in a girl. And it starts. Okay, this guy poorly phrased the following concept. Women are hypergamous. They want superior men. That means they want a man who's taller. They want a man who's stronger. They want a man who's fitter. They want a man who's smarter. They want a man who's more successful. They want a man who's better than them at everything. And men, you should never put a girl on a pedestal. What I mean is there is no girl out there that's going to be better than you. Um, And the reason is because Women's life is on easy mode, right? Like, women, literally, they just have to wash their hair and not smell bad and not eat, like, a lot of McDonald's. They can go out and they'll have a million matches. If you as a man, if you just meet those standards, if you wash your hair and you don't eat a lot of McDonald's, uh, you'll get rejected by every girl you've ever met. You need to be competitive. You need to be successful. You need to be uh, better than men around you. You need to be like, you need to meet a higher standard in order to be, um, you know, appreciated by women, which is why you should never, ever put women on pedestals. They have not earned that pedestal. You have. Uh In order for a man to become competitive, he has to work so hard, right? He has to work so hard to be better than other men. So it's ludicrous for you to put yourself below her. Uh, and uh, it's it's really funny that that's what men are taught in, in the West, right? Is this chivalrous concept of putting themselves below uh, women. The feminine reality. I think one of the basic premises I acknowledge in my essays is that uh, even some of the more enlightened men of the community don't entirely grasp. This is the presumption of a feminine reality. Sometimes I refer to this as the female imperative. Other times I might colloquially express it in terms of the matrix for an ease of understanding. But I always presume my readers, even my commenters, have a basic understanding of this. I think I may be a bit mistaken. Everything a man experiences, every social conditioning he receives from the earliest age, every accepted social norm and every expectation of him to qualify as the definition of a mature adult man in contemporary society is designed to serve the female imperative. Moralists wallow in it, absolutists and defeated white knights existentially depend upon it, and even the better part of relativists still feed and serve the feminine purpose. 
In fact, so all-encompassing is this reality that we define our masculinity in terms of how well we can accommodate the female influence. Our media celebrates it and brooks no dissent. There is very little dissent since the peel back the veneer is to be at odds with the reality defined by the female purpose. You feel lonely because you can't understand its influence and the conditioning you've been subjected to defines the objective solution to curing that feeling. You base the decisions of your future, your education, your career, your religious beliefs, even where you'll choose to live to better accommodate the feminine influence either in the present or in preparation of accommodating it in the future. You get married out of fear of not being found acceptable of it or from social shame for not having yet accepted your role in service to the imperative. Your children are offered in tribute to it, while in turn you unknowingly perpetuate it in them. You pay tribute in alimony, in divorce proceedings, in the expected sacrifices your career demands to maintain its influence in your own life and in society at large. You exist to facilitate a feminine reality. We can excuse it with moralisms, we can attach notions of honor and stability to it, we can even convince ourselves that the feminine imperative is our own imperative, but regardless, men still serve it. For one gender to realize their bedroom fund imperative, the other must sacrifice their own. This is the root of power the feminine imperative uses to establish its own reality as a normative one. From this flows the rules of engagement for dating and mating, operative social conventions used to maintain cognitive dominance, and laws and legalities that bind society to the benefit of the feminine. From this is derived men's default status as the disposable gender, while women are the protected one. It's this route that the imperative uses to excuse the most blatant inconsistencies and atrocities of women. Monogamy and fidelity are only useful when paired with an optimized hypergamy. Without that optimization, there are inconvenient obligations to the feminine reality. In order to affect this reality, men must be convinced of a degree of, of more control than the feminine imperative exerts. They must believe that it is the key uh, who they are the masters of um, controlling, while remaining dependent upon the systems that the feminine reality outlines for them. So they're told they're kings, brutes, savage, savages, patricians, intellectuals, Anything that might convince them that the reality they exist in is privileged and expressly serves their purpose. Already the protected gender, this all encourages the default presumption of victimhood for the feminine. Uh, the crowning irony of the feminine reality is that men should be accused of patriarchy while established, uh, while enabling the very framework of the feminine imperative. The, f- the feminine bedroom fund strategy is victorious because even under the contrived auspices of male oppression, it's still the female gold state that's agreed upon as the correct effort. Satisfying the feminine imperative, achieving the ends of the feminine bedroom fund strategy is still the normative condition. Men's goals are, abar- uh, are abhorrent and women's are beatific. Forgive me if I've waxed a bit too poetic here, but it's important to see the matrix for what it really is. The next occasion you lock horns with even the most well-meaning woman's opinions about life, relationships, marriage, having babies, religion, etc. Understand that her perceptions are based in this reality. She's correct because her beliefs line up with what the framework of her reality reinforced in her is correct. Any other frame of reference is either utterly alien to her at best, or wicked and evil at worst. And uh, this is from The Matrix. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. But when you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we're trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inured, so hopelessly dependent on the system, they'll fight to protect it. All right, back to this. Garbage advice. Screening out yourself. Treat, the, the way that I personally do it is, when I talk to a girl, I treat her like I would a close friend, but with sexual masculine intent. I- That's not okay. 
In general, uh, you don't talk to girls like they're your friend. Um, that uh, is how you get friend-zoned. Even if you have genuine masculine bedroom fun intent, you, you'll still get friend-zoned. Um, if you want to, like, like when you're first approaching women, um, the point is you listen to their emotions and reflect their emotions back at them. That's, that's the, that's what works, um, while maintaining your masculine power, right? And also building tension. Although, again, in the first interaction, my, my recommendation is just to get the phone number or, or, um, and then just schedule the date. Like, you don't need to work super hard to, to seduce a girl, um, if she's interested in you, she'll give the phone number very quickly and you can then later, um, you know, turn that into a date, turn that into a, a bedroom fun experience. I actually, like, my style of um, seduction, I mean, when I when I did do seduction, was that. It was um, get the phone number in five to ten minutes. Uh, message her two days later, set up a, a meeting, only text for logistics. First meeting is to determine if she's creepy or crazy or, you know, if she's um, not worthy of, uh, you know, being one-on-one with me because um, there are girls out there that can really hurt you. So it's it's good to keep yourself safe. And then the second meet is for bedroom fun. That's that's That was my strategy. And it, it works very well for getting friends with benefits. So you can try it yourself. Um, again, these guys are talking as though it's 20 years in the past. Things are not like they used to be. I don't ever verbalize it. I that, that's the it? same as, as you do with close friends. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference there? I, I, don't, I don't notice the difference. Most guys, they, they get this Disneyland view. They get this stupid mindset that where that they need to like, when the girl ever pull out flowers and st- shit like that, they need to woo her. And that's not the way you woo her. You woo her by not taking her seriously, by treating her like, like a kid, by treating her like, like a close friend, but like... Like that you can like diss on, you can push and be playful with, that you can like risk offending to be careful. Um, so in order to be attractive to women, what, what needs to be maintained is polarity. One, you are the masculine one. She is the feminine one. So you're in charge, you're in control, you, um, you plan, you um, strategize, you are the one that leads everything. And it goes the way that you want. That's that's how, like, you do the orders, you um, set up the the world, and she lives in it. That's how you that's how you maintain attraction. Um, this playful um, creating tension it does work, but it isn't actually necessary if polarity is maintained. The, your dynamic could be all kinds of different dynamics. So long as you're superior to her, you're planning everything. Um, you know, uh, she respects you, she follows your lead, etc. So again, she has to fall into your frame. And if she's in your frame, then it doesn't really matter how your dynamic is. If it's, uh, you know, a playful, jokey one, if it's serious, a stoic one, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, the polarity is what it causes attraction, not um, playfulness. Which is why... Um, Make her laugh is terrible advice. Uh, it doesn't, um, like, it doesn't necessarily make a girl attracted to you, right? Uh, you can just look like a clown. Whereas polarity almost always creates attraction, if she finds you attractive, of course. So, and 
yes, of course you can you can risk offending her because she's in your reality. She's in your world. You're the king and she's the subject. So what does the king care about offending his subject? Charismatic, you have to risk offending somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you're unwilling to, to risk offending somebody, then you're lower value than them. Like to be like, and I mean from a place of being playful and fun, not from a place of trying to beat her down. It's from a place of trying to build a vibe with her, which I think is a big difference. You know what's an interesting example of that? You know who used to be one of the most charismatic people on the planet? Mm-hmm. Russell Brand. Yeah. If you watch his old interviews where there's one where like the four people, he just takes over the room, insults them, makes it like he accuses one of the girls. She does this with her hand. He's like, you're a shaft grabber. You're grabbing a shaft. You know what that means you want to do? Your ring don't mean nothing, Mika. Your ring don't mean nothing. What do you think that gesture means, the way you're touching that bowl? What does that indicate? <laughs> what is that? What's the subtext of that? I think we got to go to break. You need to lose that ring, Mika, because it don't mean nothing to you. Oh. <laughs> She's grasping I, for the shaft. She's a shaft grasper. <laughs> Russell, that was free, Russell. but it was worth the money. We'll, that was we'll great. buy tickets. That was Absolutely. great. We don't need to see the tour. That was I got fabulous. it now. Oh, the, the <laughs> Russell Messiah Brand. Com- you see the difference between, like, Russell Brand that these guys have used as an example is actually good with women. You see how, now now just compare these guys and how they're talking to the camera with Russell. Just, just, just think about that for a second. And think about, are they frauds or not? Okay, because we're going to cut back to them in a second. Complex. Thank you, the tour messiah complex. Don't be nervous. He's offending everyone. He's, yeah. he's calling them incompetent and he's getting away with it because he's having fun. Now. So you see, like, you see how awkward these guys are, how stiff, how uncomfortable they are. You know why? Because they are incongruent. That's why. They are not players. They're not seducers. They're acting like they are in order to trick men into buying tickets and getting into their sales funnel. But it's not effective because they think that their audience is stupid. How about you respect your audience's intelligence? Russell Brand is far less charismatic than he used to be. He's still Mm. all right, but he's not nearly as charismatic. And what is different? He doesn't offend He's yeah. a nice guy. I mean, he still will disagree with, with people or whatever, but he doesn't have that edgy, disagreeable energy that he used to have. No, he's definitely become a lot more gray, which I think is something that a lot of people are doing nowadays, especially with mass media, because um, a lot of guys are getting almost terrified to do anything other than what they think is acceptable. Society's mm. like this ever-constricting uh, straight jacket, and I feel like it's going to get worse over time before it gets better. And the funny thing is, is if you were willing to risk offending people, you actually, and you're willing to push on them, they actually will accept your frame if you believe in your frame 100%. But the only guys who can really do that are the ones that are uh, that are on their purpose, that are putting themselves out there, that are being... Oh my gosh. This is how to get yourself into trouble in 2022. No. One of the laws of power is think, you're, think as you like, but behave like others, right? The reason Russell can't do it is because of the Me Too, you know, the Me Too movement. Uh, but anyway... Okay, we're gonna move on to the to the Reddit post. I'm I'm done with this. I'm done with this garbage. All right, companionship without bedroom fun on dating over thirty. This was nineteen hours ago. Background: 
I'm a straight female, uh, a bedroom fun leaning. I like some bedroom fun things, but not all bedroom fun things. Is it even possible to find companionship anywhere? Should I just stick to female friendships? I'm okay with some bedroom fun things, but I feel like I can't even build up to that. No matter what app I go on, it's usually bedroom fun first or bedroom fun very fast. I just want to feel comfortable to move towards some bedroom fun activities at my own pace. I try to communicate in my profile, but the guys just ignore it. No, they don't. You choose the men that ignore it and then take away agency from yourself and don't admit that you're actively choosing those men. Is it possible to remove bedroom fun or at least find a guy that will go bedroom fun somewhere else up and leave me alone so we can just have a non-bedroom fun-based interaction? I just started dating a poly guy and on our last date, he brought up bedroom fun a lot. I told him I'm not into that, so hopefully he can find it elsewhere. I'm open to dating older men, but I've had a 77-year-old try to get bedroom fun, so I don't know. I'm not sure what to do or if this is just a rant post. Should I just save up and hire a male escort to not pressure me to have bedroom fun and treat me like a human being? Yes, I'm up front. Put it in my profile. Majority of the time, it doesn't make a difference. Yes, I've tried dating a, a bedroom fun. Yes, they're extremely rare. Yes, I know most humans crave bedroom fun. Trying to keep hope alive. I need. If you need to go nitty gritty on what bedroom fun acts I participate in, search the thread on my post history. Nothing brings out the rage in people that someone's saying they don't want bedroom fun and people automatically assume I'm forcing people to be uh, bedroom fun-less relationship slaves. So again, this girl wants the guy to fall into a frame and not have bedroom fun because she doesn't want it at her pace. But clearly she's selected multiple men to have bedroom fun with quickly. So what's going on here? I mean, you know what's going on. What's going on is um, she's, a, she's actively choosing those men and then complaining about it. 36 upvotes. I would think there are bedroom funless men out there. They're probably a minority. Just be upfront in your bio and see who you match with. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. To everybody here is just basically supporting her and saying, you go, you go queen. Like, look at this. Uh, I'm on the bedroom funless spectrum. And when I put that in my profile, people who didn't have it in theirs connected with me, citing they were also demi bedroom funless. We're also not all unkempt and dirty. I just don't experience bedroom fun attraction before getting to know someone, which makes online dating harder for me. Uh, cap. All right, we're going to end the episode there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Uh, if you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. It's patreon.com slash theheliosblog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Really do appreciate your support, guys. Again, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to my videos, especially if you took the time to listen to the whole video. Really do appreciate it, guys. And I'll see you next time. Once again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Goodbye.